Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Well, let's get into the Word of God. I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've been uh, really enjoying teaching on this series. You know, um, after almost 30 years of ministry, I know you think, Pastor, 30? But you're only 35. I know. I started very young. I've never done a series uh, uh, of teachings on these seven parables. And, you know, I have preached from, from different ones that I'm extracting. See, my voice is changing. Y'all hear that? See, I'm barely hitting puberty. Um, so... Uh, I'm, I've never really had a chance to preach, but I, I've learned so much, and, and that's what I love about the Word of God, because just when you think you know it, the Holy Spirit comes, and, and He begins to, to show you so much more. And, you know, last week, we, we started uh, part one of the parable of, of the sower, and it was, it, was, it was originally supposed to be, you know, just two parts, right? Part one and part two, but now we're kind of doing like a rocky thing or Fast and the Furious. I think we're like going to be in 10. Just kidding. We're not going that far, right? Rocky's already 80 years old and he's still beating somebody up, right? Next fight's at the nursing home for Rocky, okay? If you haven't seen it, get ready. So, you know, but there's just so much more. And, and the parable of, of the sower, like we said, is actually could be called the parable of the soils because Jesus makes a contrast of the four different types of soils. And like we've said before, remember, God is the sower of the seed. The seed is the word of God, which in, in all actuality is Jesus. Jesus Christ, and then the soil represents the heart, right? And so last week, you know, we talked about how important the condition of our heart is in receiving the, the word of God. So let's go into Mark chapter 4, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 8 today. And, and now we're going to get into the, the meat of this parable. Right, and, and so once again, it says, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Many years ago, Pastor Santa and I, we had an opportunity to go to Israel, and we actually saw the place that it is believed that Jesus taught these seven parables. And it's this, this cove-like uh, uh, like shape in, in there on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And, and so Jesus got into a boat, and he began to preach. And, and, and this, this, the topography of, of that area makes it almost like a natural amphitheater. But you know what? Sometimes we read these stories, and we lose sight of the little miracles that took place. And so the Bible says that Jesus was teaching to the multitudes. And, and, and we could actually kind of, kind of guesstimate, right, how many people were actually there. Because we've seen that at certain points, there was at least 5,000 men that Jesus was preaching to. Now, theologians teach us that that just counted the men. So when we have the feeding of the 5,000, actually there was somewhere probably 
probably between 15 and 20,000 people that Jesus was teaching to. Now, now imagine for a moment, Jesus is, is standing on the boat and he's preaching to a massive crowd of 15 and 20,000 and all of the people could hear his voice. Like today, if we try to do something like that, we would have to take our speakers and our monitors and our microphone, and sometimes we lose sight of, of the supernaturalness of, of those little things that happen during Jesus' ministry. So here he is teaching, and he begins the, the first parable of the kingdom, and it, it, verse 3 says, listen. Now that word in the original language is an imperative. It's like, it's like there's no alternative that he's commanding that they pay attention uh, because what he is about to say is going to be very important. So he says, it's like he, he yelled at them. And I can just imagine the, the, the voice and the authority of God, you know, within Jesus, the man just goes out and says, listen, now you got to realize that that's the same voice that said let there be light and light came into existence right so when jesus said listen you better believe the people listen it didn't start with ef hutton it started with jesus okay if those of you from the 80s probably understand what i'm talking about you just dated yourself if you laughed i don't know what i just read it in a book somewhere right so a farmer went out to plant some seed as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath. The birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since, since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Verse 7. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as he, as he had he planted. So here, Jesus is telling this story to an agrarian society, a society that basically lived off the land. They were, they were agriculturalists, right? And, and actually 90% of the people that he is communicating with would be what we would consider on the, pover, the poverty level. In fact, most of them were probably considered just to be, you know, peasant farmers. So the scene that, that Jesus is telling them right, they would actually be very familiar with. Now, and that's why it's so important that, that we get into the context of the scripture so that we can truly understand what, what Jesus is trying to communicate. And so, you know, because they're, they're farmers, because they lived off the land, they were very familiar with and they had a clear understanding of the context of what Jesus was saying. So Jesus begins to tell this story of a, a farmer planting in a field, right? And, and before he could, and, and well, so he's telling this story, and it said that he scattered the seed, and the seed fell on four different types of soil, right? So, so you're probably wondering, like, how could an experienced farmer be so inefficient at sowing his seed, right? How can this experienced farmer, because it almost seems seems like like a, a, a waste, right, of, of this. So what you've got to understand is that the topography of, of 
Palestine, in the area or the region where Israel is and where Jesus is, is, is speaking, is actually built on a foundation of bedrock. It, it's actually a rock. In fact, Jerusalem itself and the Temple Mount is built on a rock. So when Jesus is, is having this conversation with Peter, remember he said, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, right? He is not only talking to Peter, which means, which is Petrus in the Greek or means stone or rock. He is actually looking from Mount Olive towards the Temple Mount. And, and the Temple Mount is this big, this big stone, this big rock, right? So the topography of, of this region is very, is very rocky, right? So before a farmer could start planting in a field, he would have to prepare the, the field, right? He would have to make it suitable and conducive for, for agriculture, right? And, and in fact, as we said, the soil re represents the heart. See, before you come to church and hear the word of God, you need to prepare your heart, right? You need to prepare your heart so that you can receive what, what God has for you. You need to remove and uproot what needs to be rooted so that your heart is and, and, and plowed and fertile to receive the seed of, of God's word. And I remember growing up, I always knew it was Sunday because early Sunday morning, my mom would go to, to, the, to a record player, right? And she would pull out a, a record and she would put it on the record player. And some of you are like, what is this, right? It's like my little niece one time went to a, went to a, a um the, the Goodwill store, right, uh, and, and saw these big records, and she's like, Mom, look at these CDs. They're huge, right? Or like, no, mija, that's not a CD. It's a record, right? And, and so she would, pull out, she would pull out the record, and she would put it on there, and then my mom loved gospel music, so we listened to Andre Crouch, Tata Vega, Danny Bell Armstrong, Reverend Milton Brunson, which was my favorite. He had this amazing song that said, God no need no matches, he's fire. That's what we would get ready to in the morning for church, right? And sometimes I would sit back and be like, man, you know, how hypocritical. Why only on Sunday are, are, are we listening to this music? And it wasn't that we just did it, but every Sunday, like clockwork, this would happen. But it wasn't until later I understood that she understood the principle of the soil of the heart needing to be prepared for what we were about to receive at, at, at church, right? And, and so she, she was preparing the atmosphere. She was preparing... Her heart, because you've got to remember, right, without root, there is no fruit, right? Without root, there is no fruit. And in fact, that's, that's what we do here through, through worship. Have, have you ever wondered why the, the context of, 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 of church, of evangelical Protestant church, we always do 20 to 30 minutes of worship before the preaching? Now, you probably thought it was so that family that always shows up late could arrive, right? Don't look behind you, right? You know who we're talking about, right? We're like, they're not even here yet, but they'll be walking in shortly, right? Worship is not just an appetizer or, or a time-space fill-up. What we're doing through worship is that we're uprooting all of the junk and all, all of the, 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 the things that the enemy has tried to put in our life throughout the week so that our hearts can be fertile and, and, be, and be plowed and, and, and be ready to receive God's word, right? And, and, and so we, we do worship before the preaching so to prepare the soil 
of the heart. So now let's get back to, to, to the field. So farmers would, would prepare this. So the topography is very rocky, right? So farmers would first have to break down and remove all of the rock that, they would, that was on the field that they were about to 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 sow into, but they would take that rock. Well, they didn't have modern fencing systems, so they would take the rock and they would use the rock as barriers to divide the different fields of, of the different families within the community. See, for instance, this is Garcia, right? And this one's Gonzalez and the other one, Hernandez, right? So they, they would use that rock to create a, a, a barrier, right? And that's how they would divide it. Well, then Obviously, those of you who are familiar with agriculture is that you don't want to go and start walking where you're, you're planting seed, right? The last thing you want to do is, is, is throw seed and then water it and then you're walking and you're all full of mud. So what they would do is that they would create a footpath around the perimeter of the field. So you had the rock barrier, and then they would begin to walk. Well, how would they create that? Just through walking, right? Over time, eventually that footpath, that ground, would begin to stiffen and, and would begin to harden. And sometimes they would actually do it in... in and tracks and vertical horizontal tracks and they would have a footpath within because they would have to irrigate and and, and cultivate the land and remove uh, uh, weeds and stuff like that. So they would walk uh, around the, the field and it would create a a, a footpath. Well, then the time would come to, to sow and, and to plow the field. So you can only plow up to the footpath, right? Because you, you need to be able to walk and, and spread the seed and irrigate. So you have the field that is, that is prepared and plowed. Then you have the footpath and then you have the rocky. But in between the, the rocky barrier, well, you weren't, you, weren't, you weren't tending to it. So then you would have this area that was filled with with thorns or weeds. So are, are you picturing this with me? So you've got to understand this is probably very foreign to you, but the people that Jesus were talking to, this was their everyday life. They knew exactly what he was talking about, right? So you're thinking, well, how can, you know, a farmer be so, so wasteful? And so if, if God is the farmer, God is nothing. If, if anything, he's not wasteful, right? God, God utilizes everything. So, so if God is the farmer, there's no way that he's going to be inefficient with the seed, right? So when we look at this, like, man, why would he, he be so wasteful with the seed, right, that, that he's trying to plant? So this is how they would prepare the ground. And before they even plowed in the Middle East, they would actually spread seed and then they would go back and plow. So the farmer would take this big bag of seed. They didn't have these, these nice little fancy things that we go to Lowe's, right, we, you know, to spread seed, right? We have these little carts and under, it has a little plastic bucket and a spinny thingy. That's the technical term for that thing that's under the spinny thingy, right? And you just walk and it spreads the seed for you. But the farmer back then didn't do that. He had a big bag of seed and he would be walking along the footpath and he'd be throwing the seed. Well, naturally, as you're throwing, the trajectory of the seed would fall on the fertile soil. It would fall on the footpath. It would fall on the thorny soil and it would fall on the rocky soil. Are you, are you seeing this now in, in your mind and in your heart, right? 
So, you know, you, you, you picture that, right? So you have the field, the footpath, and, and, and now when they plow, they would only plow up to the footpath. So as the farmer would begin to, to scatter the seed, in fact, that's why you see it in Scripture that he's scattering the seed because he didn't have that little spinny thingy. So he had to do this, right? And, and the seed would, would go all over. So here within the context of this parable, Jesus begins to use something that is familiar to the audience to help them take a, a personal look and a reflection of the condition of their heart. So we have four types of soil that represent four conditions of the heart. The first one, we have the footpath. The second, we have the rocky soil. The third, we have the thorny soil. And then the fourth is the good soil. So remember, God is the sower. The seed is the word, and the soil is the heart. Now, actually, as I begin to, to study this, I could do a separate preaching on just each one of those, but for the sake of time, I want to keep you here for two hours. I'm only going to do it for an hour and a half. Uh, just kidding. Like, oh, we shouldn't have come today. Uh, no, just kidding. We're going we're gonna to just take the two, first two, the foot, the, the footpath and the rocky soil. And then uh, after Mother's Day, we're going to continue. We're going to do the, the next two. So let's talk about the footpath. Go with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. So now Jesus says this is the, the condition of the heart, but then he begins to illustrate what he's trying to say. So he says, The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So when, when you look at this, this context or this concept of the, the footpath, because of its use, right, that, that tract of land around the perimeter of the field would begin to solidify. It would begin to, to, to be compact. And, and, and over time, it, would, it could become even as hard as concrete. Because remember, how do you make concrete? It's a mixture of sand and gravel and rock that comes together. And with, with the terrain being rocky in the sand... As they would walk on him, it would begin to, to harden, right? And so the Bible's clear. Jesus is saying if the seed would fall there, there was no more chance of that seed penetrating into the earth than if it had fallen on one of our paved roads, right? And, and the seed then would become nothing more than, than bird feed, right? Because the birds would come and, and would eat it up. It wouldn't even have a chance to, to penetrate, to germinate, right? Or, or, or to sprout. And Jesus compares those with, the, with uh, uh, as a footpath with those that have hardened hearts, right? And, and that's to say that there are some people that their minds are shut or or, or callous when it comes to the things of, of God. These are the people in, in, in whose minds that God, God's word has, has no more chance of, of gaining a, a foothold and an entry into their heart than that seed had of settling into the ground that has been beaten hard by the trampling of many feet. You know, they don't understand the things of the kingdom of God because, they, because of life and the hardness of 
of their heart, they, they are indifferent and insensitive to him, right? These are, you, you know, your coworkers or your family members that you show Monday all excited about what God did in your life at Sunday, the, the amazing preaching from your pastor, the amazing worship, and you want to get there tomorrow and you want to share and they have, they don't want to hear it. Why? Because their hearts are hardened. Or even that family member that you just you just wanna you just wanna share right you just wanna wanna share what what God is doing and what God ha- has done right? Do you know that that because of life a heart can be become so calloused that it is next to impossible to be able to feel or sense the presence of God or even sense His voice. So what causes people's hearts? to become hardened. Just life, right? Disappointment. What is disappointment? When expectation doesn't meet up with reality. Living a disappointment. I, I got married to what I thought was my Prince Charming, and he's anything but Prince. He's not even a Prince, much less Charming, right? And, and you fall into disappointment and, and, and disillusionment. Sometimes, you know, it, it's grief, it's, it, it's loss, it's tragedy, it's death, it's illness, right? It's, it's unfulfilled dreams that over time and sometimes our, our hearts become hardened because of uh, a bad relationships or abuse or, or because people have, have let us down. Sometimes our hearts become hardened to God because we've been hurt by church, by religion, or even religious leaders that, that when when even the presence of God himself comes, your heart is so hardened that you don't want anything to do with God. Unfulfilled dreams. All of these things over time. And, and most of the time in my 30 years of, of, of ministry, it's, it's usually not just one thing. It is several things over time that begins to bring hardening to someone's heart. Another cause of heart hardening is sin. See, the more we disobey God, the less likely we are to be receptive to his truth. Why? Because his truth not only confronts, but it also convicts. It, the, Bible, the, the Bible calls itself, it's like a mirror to a man's heart, right? When, when we hear the word of God and exposes those habits, those attitudes, you know, the last thing that, that, that we, we want is, is for our heart to be exposed. And, and that's what the, the, the Bible does and the word of God does. And, and so the more that, that we fall into our habits, the more that we fall into our sinful behaviors, the less likely we are to be receptive to his word right? And God warns us about this repeatedly in scripture. In fact, in Psalm 95, in 8 and 10, he says, do not harden your hearts. Do not be a people whose hearts go astray. See, here he's making a correlation to those that have a hardened hearts usually are those that walk away from God. Hebrews 3.15 says, today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. In Isaiah 6, God talks about sinful people whose hearts were callous and ears dull. He makes here a correlation to those that have a hardened heart are those less likely to want to hear the word of God. In fact, Paul exhorts the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4, 17 through 19, he says, With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. 
Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So this is the first soil, those with a hardened heart. The second soil that Jesus talks about is the rocky soil. Verse 16 of Mark 4 says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So we, we talked about how the topography and terrain of, of Palestine or Israel is very rocky, right? And so they would put the rocks on the boundary. But you know, over time, winds and storms would come. And, and, and there would be dirt that would begin to accumulate upon the rock, right? There, there would begin to accumulate. In fact, even if you had a side, sidewalk and you never swept your sidewalk, and over time, dirt would begin to accumulate. Before you know it, you would have these little, little pockets of, of weeds that would begin to grow on the sidewalk, right? And, and what's amazing about that is that you can literally remove those with no efforts. Why? Because there's no place for it to grab a hold of. The, the, the root system cannot penetrate the rock. So now it's, it's very sur- superficial. And the Bible said that this type of soil usually uh, causes the seed to germinate very quickly, right? But because there was no depth to that soil, when the, the plant set down or tried to set down its roots in, in search of, 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 of nourishment and moisture, it would run into the rock and would soon be starved to death. Its roots would become weak and unable to stand when storm or drought came. See, this kind of soil would be very familiar to their audience that Jesus was talking because of Israel is a very, very rocky place and, and shallow soil is, is very common there. And in fact, I remember when we took that trip to the Holy Land and we would drive through all of Israel going from one holy site to the other. You could see all these amazing fields and, and you would see that rock was literally poking out from, from everywhere, you know. And, and because it, it is a very rocky place, you can imagine that it's not an easy place to, to sow, right? It's not a, a, an easy place, place to farm. But the second type of soil over rocky layer represents those people who serve Jesus out of convenience but not out of commitment. People who are drawn to the blessings of of salvation, but repelled by the cost of following Jesus. Like the people who flocked to see Jesus when he did his miracles, but abandoned him when it was no longer politically expedient. I can't imagine a much more clear picture of what we're going through today, because now a lot of Christians and believers are sacrificing truth on the altar of political expediency. I'm flabbergasted at some of these famous pastors that have national and even global platforms that are asked on national TV if sin is a sin. There's a pastor that was asked by, by Oprah Winfrey if abortion was a sin. And you know what he said? 
that it was a conversation. I'm like, what? Why? Because he didn't want to get blasted on, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and, and Snapchat. He, he, he wanted to, to remain that hip, cool kind of pastor. And because of that, he was afraid to speak the truth. He was afraid to say, yeah, you know what? Abortion is murder. And murder is a sin. It's not a conversation. Yeah, we have to be sensitive to the, to the people or, or to the women. Let's, let's be clear. We're not going to be all, you know, PC about birthing people. Women, right? That are in that situation that feel that there's no way out. We have to be sensitive to what they're going through. But at the end of the day, that sensitivity for that situation that they find themselves in does not override that abortion is equal to murder. That's just the reality. I'm sorry to offend you. Another, another pastor was asked if homosexuality was a sin. And he said it was a conversation. Like, yes. It is a conversation, and the conversation is that the Bible calls homosexuality a sin, right? And we don't have to be biologists to know the difference between a man and a woman, right? Most of the time, you can just see it, right? <laughs> right? And, and so even here today, we see a clear picture of those that were following Jesus when it was cool to follow him. When he, was, when, he was, when he was multiplying the fish and the loaves and turning water into wine. You know, talk about Jesus getting it turned up, right? Ooh, I want to be at that party because the Bible said that he would make the best wine, right? It was cool to be there. It was cool to see when he would walk on the water, raise Lazarus up from the, from the grave, right? It was cool to be there. But at the moment when he started getting persecuted, the moment that it was no longer politically expedient for them to be seen with Jesus even Peter one of his closest disciples left him all alone and that's the people that have rocks in their heart right even the the teacher of the law remember when he went to Jesus he says Jesus I'm gonna follow you wherever you go I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down my life God, I'm gonna follow you and that's that's like many of us so many times is like we're, we're ready like for real for real for real this time right that we're really gonna follow Jesus we're we're not gonna fall away but then Jesus looks at him and says are you really sure he says foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. And the Bible says that that religious leader, he was just trying to get clout with Jesus. But when he realized that the cost of following Jesus was not easy, the Bible says that he turned and walked away. And that's what Jesus said. Those with rocks in their heart, those that, that, that have shallow soil, are those that are with Jesus when things are good. When things are going great, when, when, when you know, there's, there's money in the bank, there's gas in the tank, right? 
There's, there's food in the pantry. Man, God is good. But the moment we start going through some difficult things, the moment that we start going through, through the difficult things of life, right? The, the moment that things begin to shift and change, then we're, we're not so firm in, in our faith. And in fact, many of us today fit, still fit this description. We are attracted to the joy and the excitement of a church where a lot is happening. We enjoy the spiritual highs, but because we don't grow deep roots we we don't mature so when tough times come just as paul warned us in ephesians 4 14 we're easily blown and swept away you can usually tell what's going on in people's life by the exuberance of their worship when things are good oh you're and then you walk in the church like how's it going well it's going pastor and you're no longer excited to worship, right? But let me tell you, it's in those moments where you should worship the most. Those moments where, where it's tough and you're, you're fighting depression and fighting oppression and fighting illness and fighting divorce and, and fighting anxiety. It is those moments where, where you should be so strong in your foundation that you should have deep roots, that it doesn't matter what happens, that it doesn't matter what you're going through. Say, you know what? I'm not moving, God. You planted me here. And even if pastor doesn't like my, my post on Facebook, I'm not going anywhere. You think it's funny, but people have left the church. Because <laughs> we didn't like their post. Or because we didn't get invited to the carne asada. I'm leaving. No. Those people that have roots, it doesn't matter what's going through. The Bible equates those that have roots like the palm tree. You know that the palm trees, they go through some of the fiercest tropical storms, hurricanes. And the Bible says that they just bend, but then they pop back up, say, gotcha, devil, I'm still standing. That's how people are that have roots, not those that have rocks. Say, I got no roots, but I got rocks. But you should have rocks. You should have roots instead of rocks. Paul says, there, then we will no longer be immature like children. He's talking about those that have roots and, and not rocks, those that are mature. He says, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about, about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. They sound like the truth. See, we've got to mature to the point that we understand that the hard truth is that every believer will face crisis situations that will test our roots. In fact, Jesus himself said it, in this world, he's talking to believers, right? He's talking to Christians. In this world, you will have much affliction, right? In this world, you're going to go through, go, go through things. And, and, and so as Christians and believers, we're, we're going to go through situations that are going to test our root structure. It's going to test our foundations. The, the enemy doesn't fight fair. If you haven't understood that, he's going to come at you in every way. He's going to attack your marriage. He's going to attack your, your health. He's going to attack your finances. He's going to attack your kids. He's going to attack your business. What, whatever area that is exposed, 
foes. The enemy is going to attack. That's why you have to have a root system. That's why you have to have a foundation that it doesn't matter what the, what, 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 what the enemy brings or what life throws at you because sometimes it's not even the devil. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's just your neighbor, right? Or your coworker. Somebody say amen. amen. Sometimes it's just your spouse. You married that bozo. Right? Nobody made you. Mama told you not to, but I stopped. Pero es bien guapo y chulo. Forty years later and sixty pounds heavier. No está tan chulo. <laughs> See, we live and minister in a fallen world. So difficult, trial-filled times are going to come. And because of this, we need deep roots to be able to withstand the inevitable uncertainties of life. You need to be solid. Your faith has to be grounded. Your character has to be grounded. You, 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 you have to make a commitment. Just like when you're standing before the altar with your, your spouse and, and you're standing before God and the minister. And you said, you know what? I'm in this till death do us part, right? right? And not, not until it's inconvenient, right? It's till death do us part. I'm, I'm not going to give up on you and I'm not going to give up on me and I'm not going to give up on us. See, that's the kind of faith that we have to have with God. It doesn't matter what goes on in my life it doesn't matter if the pastor fails me because let me tell you i'm not perfect i am at some point going to eventually fail you and if you don't believe me ask pastor sanders he has a whole list of things that i'm not perfect at probably a list for days at some point, the leadership and other, other, other believers are going to fail you. But remember, we don't serve God because of them. We serve God because he is good, because of him, right? And, and so we have to mature and we have to grow deep roots. So now I'm going to conclude part two, right? So in order to sow and harvest, like I said, you have to prepare the soil. You have to prepare the heart. So, this thing is cyclical, right? Every, every season. We, we talked about the patterns of, of the kingdom of God, right? How God operates in process, cycles, and seasons, right? And timing. And, and life is, is, is seasonal. It, it's cyclical, right? So, you plant, or you prepare, you plant, you sow, you cultivate, and you harvest, right? And then what happens again? You have to start the whole process over and over again. So after harvest, the farmer would let the ground or the field rest for several months. And then in October and November, the early rains would come, and it would begin to soften the ground. See, those of us in Texas, this doesn't make sense to us. But remember in Scripture that the, the, the prophet Joel said that there's kind of time where the latter rain and the early rain will come together at the same time, right? Um, but here in Texas, we don't have a rainy season, right? Because it could rain at any time. That's just our, our weather's bipolar. That's just the way it is. I remember when we first moved to Mexico... We were living in, in Jalisco, and some friends of ours were planning a, a birthday party for, for one of their kids. And it was going to be outdoor. And this Texan asked him, 
hey, so, but like, what is your plan in case it rains? And he looked at me weird, and I looked at him weird. And he's like, rain? He said, but it's not the rainy season. I said, what, you mean it only rains during the rainy season? And he's looking at me weird. He's like, duh. I'm like, well, in Texas, it, our, our weather's crazy. It could rain any day. It don't matter. Like, it just rains. But in that part of the country, in that region of the earth, it only rains in the rainy season. And he's looking at me. He's like, but it's not the rainy season. So there's no chance it's going to rain. No, there's no chance it's going to rain because it only rains in the rainy season. Well, in, in that region of the country, it rains from May to almost early October. And during those months, it'll rain every day. Sometimes it'll rain for five minutes. Sometimes it'll rain for two or three days nonstop. But once you get out of the rainy season, it won't rain again until the latter rain, which is they call in January the cavernales, lluvias cavernales, which is in January. And so about two or three weeks, it'll rain and then we'll have three months with no rain. So that's where everybody plans their weddings and their parties and everything, right? Because they know it's not going to rain. Well, in Israel, it's the same thing. They have the early rain and the latter rain, right? So once they let the, the, the field rest, the early rains come and begins to soften the ground. See, the rain in Scripture represents the Holy Spirit of God. Now, remember that no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them in. See, you, you've, been, you've been throwing seed to that coworker, to that family member, to that friend whose heart is hardened, and you're just throwing seed, and you're throwing seed. Some of you have been throwing seed at your husband for years, throwing seed at the heart of your wife for years, and you're like, dude, este cabezón, God, I don't know what to do, and you're throwing seed. Well, you got to realize that he, you, you, he doesn't realize you're throwing seed. He just sees it as you're nagging him to death. And you're just wasting seed. You're just throwing seed at a heart that's so hardened that nothing's going to penetrate. So what God is saying is quit wasting your seed and begin to pray for rain. Begin to pray. Say, Holy Spirit, let it rain on his heart. Let it rain. Let it rain. Whatever you have to do, let, let the rain of your peace, the rain of your spirit, the rain, let it begin to fill and flood his heart. And little by little, you're going to begin to see a change in him. See, the farmer was smart enough. I can't throw rain on this field. It's too hard. It's too rocky. It, it's, it, I can't throw seed on this field. It's too hard, too rocky. I have to wait for the rain. I can't do anything until the rain begins to soften the ground. Pero ahí estás, throwing seed, nagging him to death. Your son, your daughter, begin to pray. God, let the rain of your spirit begin to soften his heart. Holy Spirit, do what you got to do in his life. Let me tell you, you'll accomplish more through prayer and the reign of the Holy Spirit than quoting a thousand scriptures. Because the Bible is clear that the word is the seed. And as long as the heart is hardened, it will never penetrate. So begin to pray for rain. 
but there's something about hardened hearts, right? And, and plowed, but that sometimes there's cracks in it, right? There's cracks. Usually when, when the, the, the ground is dry and hard, there's cracks, which means that your heart can be open in some areas, but hardened in others. See, sometimes you can have faith for healing, but don't have faith for provision. Sometimes you might have faith for salvation, but you don't have faith for restoration of your marriage, of your family, of your home. You have cracks in your heart, and you're thinking, but, but pastor, I'm here. My, my, my heart's good. Yeah, it's hard in some areas, and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is trying to penetrate. See, there's some of you that, that man, I love to worship, but I don't want to give my tithe. You have a crack in one part of your heart, but your soil of your heart still hardened in the other side. And you got to begin to pray for rain. Let that rain. So after it rains, then you got to remove the rock. Micah's back there saying, preach it, daddy, preach it. Then you have to remove the rocks. So what the farmer will do is he will begin to take the rocks, but there are some rocks that they're too big to, to move. So they have to get a tool like a pick, a chisel or something and begin to break down the rock and they would break down the rock and they would move it to the boundary line and, and they would move it. And, 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 and let me tell you, that's not easy work. If you ever cleared out a field, let me tell you that's some of the hardest work that you'll ever do. I mean, it's time consuming. It's tedious to, to be out there and, and it's hard work. Are you willing to do the hard work that it takes to remove the rocks from the soil of your heart because if we're all honest all of us got some rocks in our heart I'll be the first to say I've got rocks in my heart and it's not easy see we all we, we, we love the promise of the good soil that, that was able to produce 30, 60 and 100 fold we all want to be good soil but we all have the responsibility to walk the field of our life and the field of our heart and that's the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit what are the rocks in my heart that are preventing me from walking fully in your will and in your word. See, how do I know there's rocks? Because like I said, there's some areas, man, where we're with God, we're all in. But in other areas, we just got our big toe in. And God is saying, if you really want me to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold in your family, your marriage, you got to go all in. See, there's some people willing to give money, but they won't give their time. Pastor, I'm just too busy. I'm just too important. I just got, I just got too much going on. You are praying for God to bless you, and then God blesses you, and you forget all about the blesser that gave you that blessing. Are you willing to do the hard work, right? And we all have that responsibility. See, some of us walk our fields and we know exactly what are the rocks in our soil that need to be removed. But if you don't, all you have to do is ask the Holy Spirit to reveal them and begin to remove the rocks. And that is what Jesus is saying to us today. That we need to address those rocks that are in our lives. How do, you, how do we know that we have a lot of rocks? Is because those people that have a lot of rocks, they're the ones that will come for two or three months and then you won't see them for six months. 
and then they'll show up at Easter, or Christmas, or Mother's Day, right? Then they go through, either go through a hard time or something good, and then they, they come back. And that's what Jesus is saying is that I want to do something so amazing in your life, but you've got to take the rocks out of your life. So you're probably thinking, but pastor, if they already had a harvest, why does he still have rocks in his field, right? You're probably wondering, well, where did the rocks come from if he had already plowed, he had already watered, he had already prepared, he already harvested, right? Didn't he already do that last year and the year before? See, what I've come to understand in that region of the country, the new rocks, what happens is they just begin to surface. See, and that's a picture how sometimes we think that we've dealt with things in our life, but because we didn't fully deal with it, we didn't really uproot it, it begins to surface again. Sometimes rocks can be unforgiveness. That's a big one. I'll never forgive my mom. I'll never forgive my dad. I'll never forgive the person that abused me, that violated my trust. I'll never forgive. Sometimes it's resentment. Sometimes it's bitterness. Sometimes it's with an ex-husband or an ex-wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend that, that broke our heart. Sometimes it's even with pastors or religious leaders. And what we've done is that we've built a rock pile in our heart that the Word of God can't navigate to fully produce what it has to do. And little by little, we're up taking the rocks but let me tell you as you begin to grow and mature the Holy Spirit will allow those rocks to begin to surface because God loves you so much that he wants to remove every impurity from your life so that he can produce a 30 a 60 and a hundredfold I can't help but think that the 30 is those that have more rocks the 60 is those that have less rocks and the hundred are those that have removed all the rocks. But the reality is, if we don't address the rocks enough, you know, it's like they say, admitting it is half the battle, right? We've got to admit that there's some rocks in our life. I don't know what it is. Past experiences, hurt, grief, loss, death of a loved one. But all of those things become rocky to your soil and God saying this year let's get rid of the rocks so I can do an amazing work in your life next year we'll probably have to deal with other rocks but let's get all the rocks that are there this year will you stand Heavenly Father we love you we thank you for this word I pray that you begin to reveal to us those areas the, the, the rocks in our life those things that hinder the seed of your word from, from taking fruit and taking root in our lives. God, we don't want to be rootless Christians. God, we don't want to be like the fig tree that had a, had a lot of leaf but no fruit. Had the appearance of fruitfulness but his branches were barren and unfruitful. God, we don't want to be religious we want to be full of your love and full of your fruit. God, and if there's somebody here today that maybe they recognize that their heart has been trampled on by life. Maybe someone hurt them, abused them, disappointed them, discouraged them.
Maybe they were abandoned by their father, their mother. Maybe they were kicked to the side, bullied and made fun of. Whatever it is, I pray today that the reign of your Holy Spirit would begin to to flood their hearts, bringing love and peace, healing and restoration. And those of us who have already accepted your word, God, begin to reveal the rocks that we need to remove so that we can walk in your word and walk in your will. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.